This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Should I say aloha? I should, yeah, yes. If only I had been the one who went to Hawaii, right? <laughs> was actually our daughter and her family, and they brought me back a couple of lays, and it uh, kind of takes me back to years that we lived in Hawaii. And uh, that was my suit and tie every Sunday right here. So uh, welcome to church. Welcome to um, a church whose prayer is what we just sang, that our hearts would be a place. I love the way Heather said it, where God would love to come and hang out. And even if your heart isn't that this morning, I pray that in some measure, by the time you leave, that your heart will be a better place for God to come and hang out. Because that's His desire. You were created to be His child. He wants you to know that He wants to be your Father. And at this church, that's what we work on every single Sunday. The top of your, in fact, on the inside of your program, if you pull out the half sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes, I have a word that I want you to write at the top of those notes, just someplace in the margin. I want you to write the word inclusive. You know, the great thing about God is God doesn't care what age you are. He doesn't care what stage you're at in life. He doesn't care what your race is. He doesn't care what your gender is. God doesn't care even what your church background is or lack of church background. And I want you to get this. God doesn't even care what your past is. No matter what it is, he doesn't care. You're still his kid. Designed to live in connection with him. Designed to come to church regularly and connect with him. And connect with the rest of the people who are part of God's family. That's something we struggle with. I think all of us struggle with that to some degree because we have this tendency to sort of categorize people, people that we're naturally drawn to, people that we might even be naturally repulsed by. And don't kid yourself, we all have people groups that we're naturally repulsed by and we struggle with. I know we put on a big old plastic smile and pretend that we're not, but the truth is we are. But every once in a while we get it right. And when we get it right, and when we grasp it, and when we understand it, and when we begin to live it out, there's some amazing things that take place in our life. And I want to share with you a video. And it's symbolic of getting it right. It's a video of 37 musicians from around the world, all singing one song. And it's a song about how much we need one another. And there's everything in this video from street musicians to professional musicians. 
Take a look. I think you'll enjoy. This song says, uh, no matter who you are. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that makes you a little homesick for heaven. It's going to be a wonderful place. All the cultures, all the nations together. And uh, wow. So I just want to say welcome to a church that really believes what you just saw. So no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, you're welcome here. Uh, We're on a journey getting next to God. Just welcome you on that journey. And uh, so... Let's jump into the Bible teaching this morning, and uh, it's going to just kind of tie right into that. So uh, take a look at your, at your notes, and uh, while you're doing that, I want to read you an email that we got this week. And we get, by God's grace, we get this kind of email all of the time. Real live person, right here. Just in case I don't get to say it in person this Sunday or next. I wanted to thank you for taking me in at New Life. For all of the support, encouragement, and guidance you and the staff at New Life have shown me. I'm moving to Costa Rica at the end of the month in what I believe is God's next calling for me. You see, I've developed a business working to connect individuals with volunteer opportunities around the globe. And I especially want to focus on Central and South America for a while. I'm excited that God has improved my health just enough to make this possible, and I know I have the many, many folks at New Life to thank for that. Yes, I'm still a little nervous about such a big adventure on my own, but I know it's possible because of all the prayers and support I have received here. Thank you, Ron, for personally supporting me, and more importantly, for leading a group of people to become such generous evangelists and supporters of those of us who don't fit the mold of the typical, traditional, lifelong, conventional churchgoer. Most of us are not saints, but it's nice to have someone to make an interest in us nonetheless. Your congregation does just that. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, I agree. Absolutely. So let's learn what we can learn from Scripture. And if you were here last Sunday, before we flash the Scripture up on the video screens, I'm going to start the Scripture and I want you to say it out loud, the rest of it together. Ready? Draw near to God and He he will draw near to you. Yeah. If you miss everything else that we say this morning, I want you to get that. Draw near to God. Remember last week I was telling you if you start way out here, And God's way over here. And I mean, you haven't been with God for years. And maybe you haven't been to church in years. And you've never picked up the Bible and read it. And you feel like you're miles and miles away from God. God says, boy, this morning, if you'll draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And when you leave this morning, you can be closer to God than when you came. I hope you will. And let's just say that you're one of those people that comes to church all the time. And you pick up your Bible and you read it all the time. And and so you're pretty tight with God. You know what God says? You draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. You too can leave closer to God than when you've got here. 
So that's our review. Take a look. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. But there is a complicating problem. You and I have placed ourselves in a setting in church where it's more likely for us to draw near to God than if we were anywhere else this morning. But here's the complicating problem. The Bible's very clear. Remember what Bob said this morning? I got some good news and some bad news, okay? The good news I just gave you. Now, here's the complicating problem. It's the bad news. Surely the Lord's power is enough to save you. And He can hear you when you ask Him for His help. It is your evil that has separated you from God. I want you to circle the word evil, and I want you to circle the word separated and connect them with a line. Because I don't want you to forget what the problem is in this life. When God seems like He's a long ways away from us, and when we feel separated from Him, it isn't He, it isn't he who has moved. Who is it that's moved? It's us. And our evil separates us from God. I'll never forget receiving my very first Bible. My dad was a pastor, so I was relatively young when I received the Bible. And and when I made the decision to accept Christ, I was just a few days short of my 12th birthday. And I'd had a little children's Bibles and so forth as a kid. But once I made the decision to to become a Christian and to accept Christ into my life, my parents bought me a big people's Bible. And I'll never forget sitting down with my dad and my mom and they said, Ron, now that you have made the decision that for the rest of your life you're going to walk with Jesus, we wanted to give you a Bible and this is yours for you to read and for you to connect with God and for you to learn His Word and for you to invite His Word into your life. And my dad opened up the cover of it and he said, I wrote a special note for you in the front of this Bible and I don't want you to ever forget it. And so I was a few days short of my 12th birthday. Yesterday I turned 58, so that's how many years ago? 46 years ago. And I'm going to tell you word for word what he wrote in the front of my Bible. He said, Son, this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. You understand? He took that verse and put it in language I can understand. Yeah, that is the complicating problem in all of our lives. Why? Here's what happens. When I put myself in a position where I cannot draw near to God, this whole series of sermons is about the rhythms of life. And what we learned last week is that when I get next to God and I get tight with God and I draw near to God, I can begin to hear His heartbeat. The rhythm of His life and the rhythm of things that are important to Him, and the rhythm of things that make life work. And so as I draw near to Him, then His rhythm begins to become the rhythm of my life. Wow, we're going to talk about that a little bit. That's called transformation. But when my evil separates me from God, and I get distance from God, and I can no longer tune into His rhythm, and I, and I don't pick up the cadence of God's heart, and I don't tune in to how His heart beats, then I'm out here just trying to make it up on my own. And that's a real problem. So when evil is in my life, and I can't tune into God's heartbeat, all of a sudden now, I've lost my bearings in life. Because I don't have a rhythm that will actually make my life 
anything close to what it could be. Wow. But you know, in life, we always have our best guess, don't we? And so here's kind of what comes naturally to us. And, and, and that is this. This is an ineffective solution. Because that's kind of what comes most naturally to us, is this ineffective solution. Paul says, the trouble with me is I'm all too human. You might underline that, I'm all too human. I think everybody here feels that. In, in what way? He said, I'm a slave to sin. That would be a sermon all of its own. But let me just summarize it by saying this. All of us have two natures in us. We have the nature that really wants to do what's good. And we have the nature that really wants to do what's bad. And people in our world kind of fall into two camps. One of the camps believes that the real us is the part of us that wants to do good, but somehow it's been covered up by all this evil that's happened in our world, so the real us can't come to the surface and work. And then there's another camp that says, oh, no, 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 that, 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 that bad nature, that's the real us. And the real problem is if you don't curb that, then it just rises to the surface and it will bring out who the real us is. Okay, now I want you to understand which one of those is the real us. You know which one is the real us? Both. Now, they're both the real us. You brought both of those natures in this room with you when you came this morning. That's why when you were driving to church this morning and someone cut you off, Probably it was not the nice guy who jumped up and laid on the horn. No. We all have that nature that wants to get even, that, that, that wants to, all the things that are kind of, that, that, that create problems in our society. Paul recognized, I've got a problem. And here's, here's how I want to say it to you. He said, I don't really understand myself or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I Hey, can you relate to that? All of us can. Sure. You see, my sin problem is really bigger than me. And so what do we usually try? Okay, here's what I'll do. I've got this problem in my life. I'm never doing that again. I've got these kids that push me to the limit and I find myself yelling and screaming at them. I'm making a deal with myself. I will never yell at my kids again. How well that work? Yeah, what would Phil say, Dr. Phil say, how's that working for you? Right? We've all tried that. I've got this problem in my life, you know. I tend to go down to the local bar and I tend to drink every night. And then I bring it home. I've got this real, I'll tell you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm never drinking again. I want you to understand, when you try that solution, what did Paul say? I end up doing the things that I hate. Because when we try to solve our sin problem on our own, we usually have success for a limited time and in only limited areas of our lives. By the way, if you could solve your sin problem on your own, you wouldn't need a Savior. You could be your own. But the Bible is very clear 
that that's impossible. And our life experience demonstrates that that really is impossible. And so what happens when the pressure comes on in our lives? We tend to revert to what was natural to us, which wasn't very good. And we've all been through that cycle more times than we care to remember. So who's, how are we going to break free from that cycle of, I'll quit doing what's wrong, pressure comes on, I revert to my old ways, I feel guilty, I go to church, I say to God, okay God, I'm never doing that again, I'm so, so sorry. I go back out, I, I live victoriously for a little while, the pressure comes on, I revert to my old ways. How do we break out of that cycle? Well, the last passage we read was Romans seven fourteen and 15. Paul continues to discuss that for a few more verses, but ten verses later, Paul gives us the solution. Let's take a look. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And what does he th- say? Thank God the answer is in whom? Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to circle, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the real answer to life. And what does that look like? Well, here's what I want you to see before I tell you how to get it. Take a look. The presence and the rhythms of Christ in my life have the power to transform me. I know that that we had you write in the word transform But that's the one I want you to circle. I want you to get that one. I want you to understand that. Last Sunday, we sang a song that that carries the message that we would be changed from the inside out. That's transformation. And and we're going to show you how that works in our lives. But I do want to say this to you. If you come to church and you connect with God then God will, will bring into your life the power to actually transform your life and make you into a new and different person from the inside out. You'll have the same personality. You'll have the same gifts and talents and all those sorts of things. But there will be something just completely new and different about you. And the Bible's very clear about that. It's transformation. So how does, how does that work? Well, let's take a look at how it works. Jesus one time said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Underline or circle the words hunger and thirst. Because here's what I want you to see. It has to do with your appetite. Okay, Christ changes my life by changing my appetite. Now this morning, we're talking about the rhythm of virtue in our lives. Or the rhythm, uh, as, as Bob quoted to you this morning, the rhythm of holiness. Learning how to be holy. Or in this passage, learning how to be righteous. And Jesus very clearly said that it's possible for the human spirit to be transformed to the point that we have an appetite for righteousness, an appetite for virtue, an appetite for holiness. But for most of us, that doesn't come natural. Now, in, the, in His natural world, God has made all sorts of wonderful, what shall I say, word pictures, 
to help us get into and understand what's actually true. And so for those of you who have had small children, is it natural and normal for those children to be drawn to vegetables and repulsed by ice cream? What do you think? Is that how it worked in your home? As soon as your child could talk, they said, No, thank you, Mom. I do not need candy. What I really need is rutabagas. (laughs) No. And it doesn't work that way in the deeper things of life either. We tend to be naturally drawn to things that, that, that indulge our spirit and make us feel comfortable and good in the moment but they tend to bring chaos into our life and destruction. It's what comes natural to us, but it's not good for us. Wow. That's where we end up in that struggle. Now what Christ wants to do is He wants to come into our life and He wants to begin to change our appetite. So instead of being drawn to French fries and all of that stuff, we get drawn to celery and carrots. Because all of you know, when you eat vegetables, you feel light and energetic. And when you eat those other things, you feel good when you eat them. And about 30 minutes later, you don't want to do anything, right? Yeah. So God comes into our life and He begins to change our appetite. And He changes that in a very, very powerful way. And that's how we experience transformation. So... Since God's going to do that, by the way, take those last two passages of Scripture that we just read. The one prior to this, what did it say? It started out by saying, oh, what a miserable person I am. Did you notice that? And what does the next one say? Blessed or happy is the person who has a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can't miss that contrast, can you? One leads to misery, and the other leads to happiness. One leads to struggle, the other leads to joy. One leads to chaos, and the other leads to peace. And God has this wonderful invitation, and He makes it available to all of us. But there's a part that you and I have to play in this. Because I can assure you that the transformation of your appetite and mine from being drawn to the things that tend to create chaos into our life to changing it to an appetite toward righteousness, I can tell you that you can't just bow your head and say, Oh Lord, please change my appetite. Open your eyes. And now all of a sudden, you're drawn to everything that's good. Does not happen that way. Some of you have seen the show Extreme Makeover, right? And they usually do that stuff in what, a week? Isn't it a week or something like that? Can I tell you that the Extreme Makeover that God wants to do in your life will take longer than a week? Okay? Because what God's doing is way better and bigger and longer lasting than whatever Ty can do. All right? Yeah. It's a lifelong project that's powerful and dynamic. But you have a part to play in it. I have a part to play in it. So let's take a look at what God says our part is. God very clearly says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Now that's another one of those short verses. And so I want us to read it out loud together a couple of times because I want this to ring in our ears all week long. Ready? Let's read. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's read it again. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now shut your eyes and let's say it together. You ready? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now here's a really important principle for you to see. You see, a a rhythm is a positive event that we seek to repeat, not a list of behaviors we try to avoid. If you could stop doing something evil in your life, would you now have a rhythm? No, you'd have a hole where that thing used to be, but there's nothing there. What God is saying to us is that transformation is about something that we do with God's Spirit in our life. It's not about something we don't do. God said the answer to overcoming evil is not avoiding it, although we'll talk a little bit about that part later. But the real key to overcoming evil is overcoming it with what? Good. Yeah. In other words, there's a rhythm of virtue, that a drum of virtue that God wants us to beat on in our lives. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that a rhythm is something that recurs at regular intervals. In other words, this concept, this hunger, this thirst after righteousness is something that's going to occur in our life on a regular basis. By the way, is that how hunger and thirst happen? You say, oh yeah, I got hungry one time six years ago. Are you kidding? We get hungry several times a day, right? Absolutely. It's a recurring rhythm in our life. And I can tell you that the hunger and thirst after righteousness, after the virtue of God, after this, this, this sense of, God, I want my life to be holy. I, I, I don't want to live with guilt. I don't want to live with chaos in my life. I want to actually experience the freedom and the liberty of victory over my natural self. I want to be transformed. So that my mind and my heart and the rhythm of my life is the heartbeat and the character of Jesus Himself. That's a great thing. And it's even greater when we have a thirst for that that cycles in our life several times a day. So how can that happen? Well, in the rhythm of virtue, there are four sub-rhythms, and that's what I want to talk to you about over the next few minutes. Because these are the really practical applications of how God changes our appetite from this to this. So let's take a look at what those four sub-rhythms are. And the first is the rhythm of right input. Now, if you worked in the computer world, you know this statement, okay? Garbage in, what's the rest of it? Yeah. Well, guess what? That's how life is. If you want to have an appetite for anything, you have to have the right input. You know what I put in my notes? 
I put down here, right input, that equals the cadence of truth. You see, a lot of times in our culture, we get careless with truth. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to believe, for instance, when we go to, uh, let's say, to court. And, and, and the idea of court is to determine what's actually true so that a person who's guilty would be declared guilty and a person who's innocent would be declared not guilty, right? And yet we all know that lawyers and sometimes even judges and virtually always people sitting there as the defendants or, or whatever, that they all play fast and loose with the truth. That eats away at the core of our culture. And I'm not anti-lawyer, and I'm not anti-court, but I want you to understand, whenever we play fast and loose with the truth, we begin to erode the one thing that we really need to be able to count on, and that is, in life you only have two choices. You You either buy into the truth, or you end up deceived. Those are the only two choices in life. Because if if you buy into what's not true, you end up deceived. And can I tell you, there's no transformation in deception. What was it Jesus said? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Transformation comes with the truth. Deception comes with anything other than the truth. And there's no transformation in deception. So the first thing you have to get is right input. By the way, that's, a good, that's why it's good to come to church. It's also why it's important to choose your church well. You want to make sure that whatever church that you choose is going to love you enough to teach you the truth, even if that truth sometimes is unpleasant to hear. Hopefully, the pastor will share that unpleasant truth in a wonderful package of love and care and concern. But he or she will still speak the truth into your life. So there's right input. The second thing you have to take ownership of in your life is right influence. All of us have people that influence us. And I wrote this down in my notes. The rhythm of virtue is one that's best beat side by side with other people who value it. In other words, I can stand here beating this drum all day by myself, but how much better is it if I'm surrounded by a group of people and we're all beating on the drum of virtue? Solomon one time wrote to the people of his day, and he said, Be careful that, that you don't associate yourself regularly with an angry person or you will learn his ways and you will find yourself entrapped by anger. Wow. I want you to befriend anyone. I want you to love everyone. I want you to reach out and help everyone. But the relationships of influence in your life the people that you invite into the smallest, most inner circle of friendship in your life, you want to make sure that those are people who will influence you well. Those are not project people. Do you understand what I mean by that? Those are influence people. It's another reason 
in coming to church, at least at this church, we have life groups. And life groups are small circles of people who, who read and study God's Word and apply it in their lives. And many people are finding close, very close and wonderful personal relationships within their life groups. Why? Because there's right influence. It's a sub-rhythm of virtue. Here's a third sub-rhythm. And that's right values and right actions. You know, virtue is not based upon what you believe. It's actually based on what we do. Does that make sense? I can say, oh God, I love all these people in my community and thank you, I don't have to do anything for them. Which one of those is more reflective of what's in my heart? What I say I believe and what I actually do, among those two, what I actually do determines who I am. And the Bible has that message over and over and over again. And by the way, I've just told you two of the wonderful reasons to come to church. And now I'm going to tell you a danger about coming to church. And the danger of coming to church is that you study God's Word, you study God's Word, you get taught about God's Word, you get taught about God's Word, and you go, "Uh uh-huh, amen, 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 and you don't change. And all of a sudden you think, I'm different because I believe different. I shake my head at the right things. There's no transformation. In the shaking of a head. It's in the changing of a life. And so what God says is, here's your part, okay? You gotta get right influence, you gotta get right input, right influence, and now you have to choose right values and right actions. Now God's gonna help you with all of those things. And then the fourth subrhythm is this you have to have right safeguards in your life. When I was a kid, my parents taught me this thing and this, this statement, and, and it took me many years before I actually began to understand what it meant. But, but the phrase was, discretion is the better part of valor. In other words, you have to know your limitations, and if you think you've got all the bravado in the world, and you go out and you go, you know, I, I'm going to do this thing, and you don't realize, you know, I'm not really equipped to do that. And what happens is you end up in failure. Now, God wants you to know right up front. Every person sitting in this room and myself standing, God wants all of us to know that there are temptations that could come into our life today that are bigger than we are, and they would flat steamroll right over the top of us. And that's true. I don't know what that temptation might be for you, And actually, I don't even know what that temptation might be for me. Now, here's what God has said. God has said, I will not allow a temptation like that to come into your life. He said it in these words. No man is tempted beyond what he is able to bear. But the inference is we all could be. But in every temptation, God says, I will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now that's a powerful, powerful promise. But don't for a minute think that that's all about God. Let's just say that my big temptation in life is alcohol. Okay? 
I battle and struggle with that. And, and no offense to anyone in our audience this morning that, that battles with that. I had to pick some, and it could be anything. But whatever I pick, somebody here would be battling with it. So we'll take alcohol. And so, okay, God is going to provide a way out so that I can stand up under it. All right, it's Sunday night. I'm going down to the local bar and I want to visit with my buddies because God is not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I can withstand. Is that a good strategy? What do you think? No, I've got a part to do in that. And that is, I have to build into my life some safeguards. Now let me give you a safeguard that I have built into my life. And I've, I've shared this with you before. But when I look around, I'm shocked I'm saddened. I'm deeply grieved every time I pick up a newspaper or every time I turn on a TV. And here's another pastor who has gone out and I slept with some woman in the congregation or, or hired a prostitute in some other place or is doing some crazy kinky thing. Enough of that. So I built a safeguard in my life. Okay, I don't meet a woman anywhere for any purpose, not even to teach her how to become a Christian. I don't meet her any place, one-on-one, other than here at the church during regular office hours when people are around the building and in the office complex. I just won't do it. Why? It's a safeguard. Because I know if I never meet a woman one-on-one anywhere other than in the church office during regular business hours when people are here that this pastor will never sleep with a woman other than his wife. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Now, I can't possibly tell you all of the safeguards that you need to build in your life, and I don't have time to tell you all the safeguards, things that I've built into my life, but I have to own that, okay? I've got to get right input. I've got to get right influence. I've, I've, I've got to get right values and actions. And I've got to get right safeguards into my life. And friends, if we'll beat on those four smaller drums, the sub-rhythms of virtue, then we will begin to develop the rhythm of virtue, of, of drawing near to God, of having God's behavior become our behavior, of having God's desires become our desires, of having God's responses to people become our responses, and we will have this wonderful sense of transformation to where I'm less and less and less like Ron, and I'm more and more and more like Jesus. It's a miracle. You can't do it on your own. But it's definitely available. As we close, I I just want to give you a question. And the question is a really simple one. What's next for me? That's what I want want to leave you with. What's next for me? Take a look at those four sub-rhythms and say, what needs improvement in my my life? Do Do I need to improve my input? Am I regularly getting input from the wrong sources? Or am I not getting enough input from the right sources? What about influence? Are there people in my inner circle of friends that I know are not a good influence on me? I need to replace those with people that would be great influences on me. Right values and actions. What area of my life am I really struggling with that's not virtuous? 
I know it's not virtuous. The people around me know it's not virtuous. And if so, what safeguards can I build into my life? I want to give you one other thing that's what's next for me. For some in our audience this morning, you've lived your life way out here and God's way out here and you've never really connected with Him. You've never really said, I want to become a Christian. This day I choose to become a follower of Christ. And what's next for you? Before you decide to beat on these other four sub-rhythms and before you decide to beat on the, on the, on the drum of virtue, you need to understand that you cannot beat on any of those things effectively until you invite Christ into your life and make Him your Savior. Because no matter how many times you beat on those drums, there's no transformation outside of Jesus. So I want to pray. And, and, and you just do your business with God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the transformational power that you bring into our lives. Thank you that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And thank you that you didn't just leave us to be our natural selves and watch us struggle and watch us fail, but you said if you'll invite me into your life that I will save you from your natural self and I will transform you into the beauty of virtue and holiness and righteousness. A righteousness that is far greater than any we could achieve on our own. A righteousness that comes from having the drumbeat of Christ in our hearts. For those of us, Lord Jesus, who this morning are making the decision to become Christians, Lord, would you just in a very special way, reveal yourself to them. That this might be the beginning of many life-changing days in their lives. Thank you for receiving them. Thank you for accepting them. Thank you for receiving and accepting those of us who made that decision years ago. I pray it in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.